J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. The J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm Johnny Radcliffe. I'm Jonathan Hobbs. And I'm John Chafee. And this is the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. This is the part two of the Andy Root interview, and there were some fantastic comments that were made in this interview. Jonathan, you had the chance to do the interview a few weeks ago, and so when I was listening to it, I was very much impressed by how much depth he brought to the second part of this conversation. Mm -hmm. But you had a comment from him that stood out to you. Is that right? Well, what what happened was... um Andy Root uh, was kind of doing the rounds for his new book, The Grace of Dogs. You know, right. doing the doing the the media blitz of which we somehow became a part Woo-hoo! of. Right, yay, official. Um, yeah. and he was on a friend of mine's podcast, so we should just plug them real quick. The Not a Real Pastor uh, podcast. Yeah. Great guys up there. Look them up. Uh, Zach and Ryan are doing an amazing job. Definitely. Uh, I, don't turn this off, but when this is done, go yeah. download theirs. Mutually uh, But they're, they're really, really good. St- uh, and one of the things that Andy said off the cuff when he was being interviewed by them uh-huh. was this idea of, you know, maybe we just need to teach students to be better atheists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was like, oh, like they kind of moved on A from chalky. that. But I was like, <laughs> Drop oh, that, yeah. Yep. And I, I, I'm, I'm ready to write the curriculum, except I'm not qualified. Uh, and so... I, I, I basically had him come back to that, mm-hmm. and man, did he just jump in on that one. He yeah, just he dumped in the deep end. I he love did. it. So so keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, that that's really the meat of this one, right. and then we do a stupid game. Johnny, was there something that stood out to you yeah, that we should so listen for? Basically, there's this sense out there that it feels like we are losing control in the culture. It feels like we're losing mm. grasp. and. Uh-huh. Uh, the rise of the nuns, as they talk, not sure. N-U-N-S, right. the N-O-N-E-S, as far as no religious affiliation. Uh, it feels like there's this atheism creeping in, this naturalism, and mm-hmm. a lot of people are ready to take the defensive and to freak out and kind of, you know, just batten down the hatches. But this talk is so crucial because he's encouraging leaning into it and just connecting mm-hmm. where students are at and taking them to the place they need to be, which is Jesus. So I love it because it's it's so pertinent to today that sure. mm-hmm. we need mm-hmm. to be aware that just Bible beaten people isn't going to do it. We mm-hmm. got, need to be aware that in culture, uh, science and, you know, black and white gets the upper edge. It mm-hmm. really does. And people mm-hmm. are drawn to that. So we need to be able to present our faith in a way that's scratching the itches our students have. Mm. And he big. had great fodder for how to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is, and and I think you know we'll get to the interview in just one second here, uh, but as you said, the rise of the nuns. I just had this crazy great idea that um, there should be a community of the nuns, and it should be the modern day nunnery. Oh. But it should be the N O N E nunnery. <laughs> you know, nunnery. Uh, oh, anyway, I, I was going to sign my daughters up for the N U N S nuns. You know, <laughs> the nunnery. That's yeah, terrifying. Anyway, I don't well, know. so the topic of Teaching the next generation to think well is something I'm personally rather passionate about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to hear someone who's well-known, who has written books, to also say this, it just, like you said, Johnny, it scratches an itch. So let's go ahead and give this a listen because it is gold. 
you said something uh, at my my friends over at the Not a Real Pastor podcast. Uh, you said something that I absolutely loved, and I was wondering if you could dig into it a little more. Sure. Um, it's a little on the spot, but uh, that's why we pay you the big bucks. Right? <laughs> so um, I absolutely loved your term, um, even though you said you didn't like it and you had to come up with a better version of it, which is we have to teach teenagers to be better atheists. Uh. And uh, I, I mean, I, I, to give the listeners some context, the idea of just that a lot of times when we listen to people say, well, I don't really believe in God, and then you unpack it, you're kind of like, well, that's incredibly terrible logic you're using right there, or maybe not logic, but um, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what the rhetoric, yeah. Yeah, but, um, and, and, I, and I was just kind of wondering um, if you could just unpack that a little bit more. I really, yeah. really appreciated the idea. Yeah. I mean, it sounds a little controversial and scary. So it's, you know, a, a, a great like soundbite that, you know, youth ministry needs to teach kids to be better atheists. But I think what we were, what we were talking about there, and I think what you're getting at is just this sense that a lot of the cultural conversation that essentially denies God or doesn't have room for God really is just poorly philosophically thought through. And, mm. and we were talking even about people like uh, Richard Dawkins and other of these kind of like new atheists that that deny God. And, and really, I think our young people are quite susceptible to that, to, to, to their arguments, mainly because they're well, kind of iconoclastic, or they they seem really punk rockish. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah. you know, it, 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 there's something appealing about um, kind of a scientist giving their finger to the Western world in, in some sense. But when you when you tease them out a little bit, um, and there's people way smarter than than me who've done it, that they're they're really not based on they're inconsistent in in their denials. So they they tend to deny things that just simply aren't true. Um, and have a really bad conception of, of, of who, who God is. So like an example of just how deeply this filters into to our culture, um, I did a, 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 like a youth group um, conversation about faith and science because I have this grant on faith and science. So I went into um, this church, and it was, it was an intergenerational time, so it was like uh, their confirmation age, 7th, 8th, ninth graders, and then adults, and they were doing this uh, they were doing this time together to talk about faith and science, and we got to the end and asked, like, what kind of questions do you still have here? And a lot of young people asked some really great questions they still had, and some pa- and some parents and adults did. But one of the adults, which is really fascinating, it was one of the adults, raised their hand and said, well, my question still is, like, who created God? Like, what was God doing before God was, like, created the world? And it's just, and so that's so deeply within our, our culture. And there is something that even I think if we're, we're not careful, we kind of run to that too. And it's hard for us to think about an absolute being who doesn't have any, anything come before it. But to, to say God is to say that, to say that God is to say that God is fundamentally different than all, all other beings in the world and that this God has no origin other than God and God's self. And that's a very hard thing to think about, but we're living in a culture where people just, I mean, this was an adult who cannot think beyond that. And I think Dawkins and Denton and those other people tend to have a form of atheism that kind of presumes these very cartoonish tropes against the Christian faith that just aren't true. So when I say help, help young people be better atheists, I mean, help them really deny a true 
uh, philosophical but also biblical conception of who God is. If they're going to deny it, I'd actually much, I think that if they actually lean into it, they'll find something quite beautiful and glorious worth giving their lives to. And that's, I think, the real objective here. But if they're actually going to walk away from the faith, I think too many young people walk away from a very hollow, um, a very hollow understanding of the Christian faith that isn't historically accurate. Um, mm. And I think that mm-hmm. becomes a huge piece of it. One of the best thinkers of this is an Orthodox theologian named David Bentley Hart. One of the things that I've tried to relay to my students that Bentley Hart says, and I think is good for youth ministry people to even tell young people, is that the tradition is always smarter than you are. Like how old the Christian tradition is, how diverse the Christian tradition is, that the tradition is always smarter than you. And I think one of the things that the Dentons and the new atheists do, as well as probably our young people get kind of sucked into, is they somehow, uh, I don't think they rationally work this out, but they think they're smarter than the tradition. And that doesn't mean Mm. the tradition isn't above Mm. critique or the tradition didn't say terrible things about women or didn't have certain hierarchical structures that we need to be wary of. But nevertheless, the tradition is smarter than you and it's wrestled with these deep questions. And, um, and so I think we're at a particular time actually within the kind of public square where we're pretty dumb about what, what it means even to say God and, um, so we need to teach our, our young people what it means to say God so that if they choose to walk away from it, they walk away actually from the historical traditional conception of God and not from some caricature of, of, of God that is just, isn't true. So I don't know if that gets into yeah, what you were, yeah. you were, you were thinking. No, so, no yeah. I, I absolutely love it. I, 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 the idea of rational thought, the idea of a, a good rational argument just seems to be something that's becoming more and more lost, right. uh, in, in, I, I hate saying our culture just because right. I hate pretending I'm a spokesman for the entire culture. But just from what I've witnessed, sometimes when teaching some kind of theology, you almost have to actually start by teaching, you know, rational philosophy. You do. Uh, yeah. 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 At the very least, you know, I mean, I think we can get kind of stuck in rationality and, and, and part of our problem is that we've also kind of been pulled down rationality. So you have someone like Denton who says, listen, we know how evolution works. It starts with simple things and moves to complex things. So if God is the, the originator of all things, then God must be an incredibly simple being. As if like that kind of evolutionary <laughs> thought is the only way, you know, like that, that, well, wouldn't a God transcend that kind of created, you know, so, so, you know, it's not just like pure rationality, I think, but what is true, what you're getting at, which is really helpful is that the Christian tradition is coherent. There's a coherence to it. And what we need to teach our young people is how to think coherently. And that doesn't mean, and that is rational, exactly what you're saying, but it doesn't mean that we're, we do away with mystery or we can't say, well, we don't know. I mean, there's ways the Christian traditions always said we don't quite know how the sacraments mediate the presence of God, as some traditions think. It's a mystery. There's a mystery in that, but there's a coherence in it. Even when it's even when we claim mystery, we claim that there's some kind of level of of coherence. And and so I think you're right. We have to teach young people how to think coherently about their lives, about the Christian tradition, about um, yeah, about their their day to day existence in many ways. And Man, now you probably have youth workers whose heads are spinning around thinking that's a lot to that's a lot to do. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they're like, all right, well, thanks for that. Jeez, uh, but no, I I think it's I just think it's so incredibly good and so incredibly um, helpful to recognize this stuff. 
Hey, uh, you are someone that, while you are, in, you're, you're, you're obviously incredibly smart, and if I'm saying this right, you've put out more than one book a year since you started writing. Is that right? Yeah, I think, is well, that, yeah, I think that is. I think it's been, yeah, maybe a little over one book a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible, obviously. And, but at the same time, this was sort of the thing that was fascinating to me is it's not like you live in your, uh, what did you call it there? Your sacred uh, basement? <laughs> My man whatever. cave. Yeah. Yeah. Your man cave. <laughs> I, I, whatever term you used earlier. Um, it, it's not like you, you, you watch sports, you watch television shows, you watch movies, you enjoy that. Uh, so I was going to ask you, um, are there TV shows and or movies that you find to be incredibly theological uh, with that, that don't necessarily consider themselves theological? Gosh, that is a good question. Um, I do. I mean, I watch a lot of TV. So I like I tell my I tell my kids or my neighbors that I read for a living. So like the last thing I'm going to do when the day is over is pick up a novel and read it. I just turn on the TV. And so I'm usually up early writing and then reading all afternoon and then spending my evenings, unfortunately, in front, in front of the TV. Maybe not unfortunately. I actually just am going to own it, that it's a, it's, it's a spiritual discipline in its own right. So, I mean, I, I watch... I watch, I mean, you can't, now we're, we are really living in the golden era of TV, so it's, it's impossible to stay up on everything, but, mm -hmm. um, I mean, we watch all sorts of stuff, so, like, theologically relevant, I find that that stuff bleeds into my writing all the time, like, I'm really interested in just how dystopian uh, TV shows kind of play themselves out now, of, of people imagining yeah. what it would be like to live if the if their institutions fail i find so the like walking dead i think it raises some really good questions about what does it mean to be human about kind of what ethical barriers are willing to, to cross i think that stuff's really interesting um we just finished house of cards um i didn't think it was a great season but you know i like we like we love better call saul and uh <laughs> that stuff's really fascinating you know to think about i mean breaking bad and then better call saul is really a story about people who break bad and so what does it mean to be a human being and what leads you into essentially giving yourself into sin? And, and uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, find it, I find it rejuvenating in some sense, like just to turn my mind off. But then also, um, yeah, I guess it does become fodder for illustration and, and analogy. I wish I was smart enough to like use literature, you know what I mean? Like to be <laughs> quoting Dostoevsky or something, but I right. don't. I just like quote <laughs> episodes of the Simpsons or something stupid like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really, really fantastic. Um, okay. I have an incredibly, this is one of those, like this could end up being really dumb and we're going to edit it out, but I thought it'd be kind of stupid and fun. Okay. Um, we'll see. It might be stupid, stupid, but let's see if it's stupid fun. Uh, I wrote down a list of, of things related to the word root uh, and, okay. I, and I just wanted to know your, your lightning round. Thought. Okay. All right. All right. Here are a list of actual roots. Like okay. these are actual roots that you can eat. Okay. Um, <laughs> beets. No, I'm, I, I do not like beets. My wife does. I don't like them. No. Thumbs down. Radish. Radishes are okay, especially on a salad. Yeah. Onion. Oh, huge, huge onion guy. I tell huge my, onion fan. I tell my kids onions make the world go round. Rutabaga. Uh, I had some friends in high school that used to use that as my nickname, but, uh, That's don't eat amazing. it. amazing. Yeah. Potato. Uh, yeah. Or sweet potato. Do you have a preference? Uh, 
I like them both. I like both. Okay. Um, I'm trying to cut down on my French fry intake, though. So. God um, bless. Yeah. Carrots. No, I'm not a carrot guy. Not a no, guy. Wow, really? Yeah, no. Wow, cooked. Okay. Yeah. Uh, parsnip, which I don't even know what that is. I think I've had that a few times. I think I'm a fan. I'll go thumbs up on that. Okay, and then last two, yam. Mm, no, I'm not a yam mm, guy. Not, and turnip. Not a real turnip guy, I don't think. That's actually, I think, uh, how we're going to end it is Andy Root, <laughs> not a turnip guy. <laughs> Because this is the hard hitting, we go we go where other people aren't willing to go. That sounds uh, great. And I think, well, hey, uh, Andy, I, I thank you so much for playing along. Oh, it's fun. Uh, we'll find out later if I keep that even in. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm failing you, man. I'm sorry, Jonathan. No, no, it's fine. I'm fine. I was trying to think of something that could beat um, the turnip yeah. uh, as an ender. Really, uh, yeah. I was just trying to look like a slightly better interviewer than I actually am. <laughs> Well, so, well, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, I can't. How, think about, how about we end on this? In uh, seven sentences or more, what is faith formation in a secular oh, age? Yeah, that's good because that's the next one. Yeah, so so faith formation in a secular age comes out. I think it's going to be. I think on Amazon it says August now, but they're going to push it back to late September. Um, okay. So really, what what that book is really trying to wrestle with is that we've done all this really good work lately in youth ministry trying to talk about how we pass on faith to a next generation. And, and, and to be honest, we've been living in a lot of anxiety. I mean, the, the Pew Research Study and all the studies that have come out of the rise of the nuns and uh, moral therapeutic deism that's been around for 10 years now and, and all that stuff uh, has led us to be quite anxious about how we pass on faith to a younger generation of people. And so what this book is trying to get at is to say, yeah, we need to, to go with that. But one of the interesting phenomenon is that we haven't really asked what faith is. And, um, and what our real challenge is in passing on faith. And so quite uh, a lot like our atheist conversation, um, my larger argument is that uh, we keep on trying to think about faith as getting young people committed to participate um, and maybe make some kind of consent to belief, like in a sense of like variables in a sociological study, like I believe this, I believe that. And, um, but really we want young people to participate, not leave the church. That's what's the rise of the nuns and, and, uh, faith drifting is all about. But what I want to challenge is that our issue, that isn't really our big issue. It's an issue we have to face, but our big issue is the fact that, um, just the idea of a personal living God who can encounter us, um, in our lives becomes more and more unbelievable to our young people. And so we need to help them be able to actually wrestle with, the, the presence of a living God and make sense of that. And so to live in a secular age is to live in an age where belief in God is an option. Um, and it's very easy not to believe in God as much as to believe in God. So yeah. how do we, yeah. how do we make a case when we can't presume these things, um, for God being a, a, a real personal living force in, uh, in, in people's lives, in young people's lives. So that's really what it's about. So it tries to think about faith um, and through kind of Paul and Pauline theology and tries to really wrestle culturally with, with what kind of age are we living in where, um, where if you re- were to rewind just 500 years ago, um, 1500, which relatively speaking in the scope of history isn't that long ago, it was nearly impossible to find anyone who didn't believe in God. And now here we are 500 years later where it's not only possible to find someone to believe in God, those of us who deeply do believe in God sometimes find it more difficult to believe in God than not. And that's a huge change that's happened. And our young people, and maybe even the creation of youth ministry, is born out of the fact that this has changed. And belief in God is not something presumed, which it has been for most of human history. And so what does that mean? And 
And how do we actually think about faith formation up against those challenges? So way more than seven sentences there. Well, I was going to say, I think it was six. It was a lot of run-on <laughs> sentences there. The punctuation was questionable. I'm the master of the, frag- the fragment there. Yeah. <laughs> solid, solid. Uh, Andy, thank you so, so much. This has been great. Uh, I have, I hope we have a lot more conversations yeah. with you because um, in, in all honesty, I just think that uh, a lot of youth directors are interested in going to the deep end of the pool. Uh, some of them don't know the way. Some of them are afraid they can't swim. But in all honesty, it's half the time, in my opinion, it's really just a matter of translating a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and gosh, I, I just love the work you're doing, and I hope people dive into some of your work here. Um, if people want to reach you or follow you on Twitter, uh, I remember hearing that, thanks to the grace of dogs, your Twitter game really stepped up. So <laughs> so what what is your Twitter handle? How do people it, follow you? It's just Root Andrew. That's the, my Twitter handle. And, and you can find me. On my, I have a website that just is andrewroot.org, too. You can find me there. Um, yeah, so those are probably the easiest ways to, to find me. And, uh, uh, yeah, appreciate anyone doing so. So that'd be great. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Sounds great. So that was amazing. I want more. <laughs> you want more? I want a third a part episode. Three. Maybe someday. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you guys picked up. I was sort of amazed... I said this, uh, part of this was mentioned in the last part of the episode, uh, part of the episode, part of this was mentioned in the last episode too, but just uh, like this man has written, I don't know if you, you heard this, more than one book a year How? since he started writing. Mm-hmm. I, I, okay, it, took, it took me two years to get one out. <laughs> okay. He had two released this year. That's amazing. And that's just incredible. Like this guy just has ideas and thoughts and he's asking great questions. But yeah, I, I could have talked with him for another, oh my heavens, forever. Easily. Easily. Oh, yeah. So approachable. So good. The one line that really stood out to me is the idea that you're not smarter than Christian tradition oh. because there is this idea <laughs> that like if it's older, it's less intelligent. Sure. But like our tradition has been proven over, you know, decades and centuries and like mm-hmm. You know, we're, there's nothing new under the sun. I love Solomon. He's my boy. <laughs> yeah. There is nothing new under the sun. And all the things we think are so crazy and never explored before, it's uh-huh. happened in history, even today. Oh, yeah. Right. And so here we have teenagers <laughs> that maybe think that they know the faith better. But the, there are really some resources within the church from people that thought about the faith their entire lifetime, mm-hmm. well past their teenage years. And so we have a deep well to draw from mm-hmm. in the Christian tradition that sometimes gets overlooked. You, you know, I, he's, when he said in there that uh, atheists are like the punk rock stars to teens. Some like, of those, yeah. Some yeah. of those guys, they uh-huh. really are, yeah. I, couldn't you imagine if like the church fathers were? Be like, Ignatius. Yeah, oh, yeah. man. That would be sweet. Ignatius. That would be good. I mean, that's John's youth group, I know. Right, right. That's not widespread. I wish they had more Mohawks. We'll do some Mohawks in the next retreat. All right. Sounds good to me. I, uh, as we were talking earlier, I, I just wanted to kind of bring up this idea. Maybe this is me trying to swim on the deep end. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you guys can call me out later. But um, I, what I really like about this is, to me, as we're talking about be better atheists, this is almost the new and I would argue better version of apologetics. Mm. Because when I was growing up, 
um, apologetics was, hey, um, here's 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 what people are asking, and here's how you answer that question, mm. and here's what people are asking, and here's how you answer that question. Uh, like that was the training I got in youth ministry. That was even kind of part of the training I got as a youth minister. But the I I actually found that like when I went out to talk to my friends. None of them were asking those questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, in, and in fact, what I started to do was almost try to manipulate conversations so that you would ask a question that I did know the answer to. Well, that's not, number one, that's not a real conversation. It's not authentic. Yeah, exactly. Now right. now I'm trying to set you up. Uh, now this whole conversation is just so I can prove you wrong. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to trick you in this mm-hmm. conversation. I'm trying to box you in, which is what we, in, I think, just eventually ended up sort of teaching students as opposed to actually knowing our stuff well enough that we we can have this conversation in other words if we believe that Jesus Christ that the gospel is the truth then that means we should seek after truth and that we believe we'll land there yeah. so we have to teach students to be better asking better questions yeah that's uh, yeah. that was my thought earlier is that what if the church was a place not where people went to go get answers? Not that answers are bad, and we can give it answers, mm-hmm. but what if the faith community was a place where people went to get better questions? Yeah, yeah. So, and and then to follow so up on that, so good. I think it's important as youth pastors who have studied in some degree, you may have somebody come up to you and ask you a question about heaven or hell or something else, and we might want to give an immediate answer, but I think the pastoral thing to do is to ask, why do you ask that question? Hmm. Yeah. Because often these, what we think are very mm-hmm. theological questions, are fueled by an emotional experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if you want to relate to your youth well, maybe hold off in the dense theology and ask, well, why do you ask about hell right now? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Why yeah. do you ask, why do good things happen? To, why do bad things happen to good people? Because, I don't know, did your dad just lose his job? At that sense, we're then being pastors. And one of the parts of that that I found so cool is instead of when a question comes up in our student setting, Mm -hmm. uh, instead of me being Bible answer man, as much as I can, I throw it out to the other students to answer. Uh. And it's just so cool to see them wrestle to find answers instead of I sit at the feet of Reverend Radcliffe, and it, it, you know, right. which no, no one's impressed so good. anyway. It's so uh-huh. true. But it's the idea that I you do know, sit at the feet of Reverend Radcliffe, <laughs> just for the record. <laughs> it's, it's true, um, but it's just the idea that it's not getting to the answer; it's the process of yeah. discovering yeah. the answer. And yeah. so, uh, wrestling with the questions and not thinking of things as we are just giving you the answers is so key, and it's what they really want. It's what students are craving for. They don't want just something handed to them. They yeah. want to own it. They really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I even feel like um, w- one of the things that's interesting about the question part of it is I was amazed when I learned that questions are very, very cultural. Mm-hmm. And so um, in America, it is completely normal for people to have a hard time with Christianity because of the idea of hell or damnation. Right. And what's really fascinating is that is not an issue in certain cultures around the world. Mm-hmm. Like, right. like especially, I think someone was telling me, like the Asian culture, um, that is not an issue. Like that is not the hangup. Right. Uh, whereas America is like, how is that not your hangup? Mm-hmm. Uh, where they're like, no, 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 no. And so it's interesting how to recognize if we jump into this, sometimes even just learning that, well, yes, that's a good question, but 
you need to understand that that's a cultural question, not this deep thing that applies to anyone that's ever lived. Uh, and to understand that people in different times have asked different questions. So I, I, I'm excited about what we could do as youth directors as we pass this down. So the real challenge for us moving away from this podcast is to really evaluate what faith we are handing the next mm, generation. Yes, we yes. got to put a, some thought into what are we handing them? And so uh, it's at that point that when we can solidify where they need to be in their walk with Jesus and what's truly important to the gospel, then we can get something that's going to sustain their life through and through. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me yeah. of uh, the conference I mentioned to you guys before we started recording mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I once met a youth pastor who said he hated theology, mm. hated, had Praise an allergic God. reaction. Hallelujah. What? <laughs> but let, break, down, break it down. It's um, how do you talk about God mm. deserves to be thought about well. Sure. Mm -hmm. Because without knowing, you might say something that doesn't meet someone else pastorally. Mm. So that's something that we can think about more in some yeah. future episodes. I know we can probably unpack that for a really long time, but how about we draw this to a close? I think okay. we, I think we just need to encourage other people that they need to be unpacking that, you know. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think that as you're listening to this, I hope you have more conversations like this. That theology needs to be given a, ch a chance, and apparently, according to Andy Root, that turnips don't. They yes. do not That's right. need to be given a chance. Right. Anyway, I just love that word. Yeah, rutabaga. I was about to say, I think we're gonna have to put a bow on this one, though. I'm Johnny Radcliffe. <laughs> I'm Jonathan Hobbs, and I'm John Chafee. We'll catch you next time, all right? Cheers. Thank you for listening to the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast.